0: topics discussed are for educational purposes only. Now welcome, Integrative dietitian Allie Miller and her co-host Becky Yu.
1: Welcome to episode 132 of the Naturally Nourished podcast. Today we'll be talking about something that definitely happens to the best of us, cheat days, off-plan eating, and for some, binge eating. We'll be covering why cheat days are problematic, just as a general concept, how to get back on track when they do happen, including diet and supplement strategy to get back on your plan fast. And I love this topic right now because a lot of clients are still getting back from spring vacations and things like that, and just working to get back on track after cheat days or even cheat weeks.
2: Yes. And you said the word cheat a lot, Becky. And you know (laughs) (laughs) that I am not a fan of this concept. And that's why we're talking about it today, of course. you know When we go into something like a vacation or a girls weekend or some form of a getaway, we have to think of when we're using food as medicine and diet as a huge element of our wellness, a pendulum swing that allows fluctuation and change. Because this concept of rigidity you know the the higher you put your diet on a pedestal of perfection the sharper the cliff jump is you know this this concept that if you have an altruistic perfect diet then you're going to spiral into this guilt shame world. And that's going to make clawing yourself back up the cliff a lot more difficult. And the reality is you don't have to fall off in the first place. You can just be a human and be kind to yourself and be intuitive and listen to the feedback of your body. So I'm hoping that today at the end of this episode, we give you listeners a new perspective on food freedom just as important as tools to help to mitigate binge eating or falling off if you truly do spiral in an out-of-control inflammatory intake.
1: Awesome. So despite using the word cheat probably a lot more in this episode, um, we'll talk in a bit about why we don't actually recommend having a cheat day just as a general concept and why that is so problematic. But first, let's get into a couple of updates for our listeners. So, the first one being that our virtual ketosis food as medicine program just kicked off five days ago when this episode goes live. And we're allowing you to join through class three or until the program fills up. And I know there's still some spots left at this point. So, you can head on over to alliemillerrd.com backslash ketosis hyphen class to sign up for our 12-week virtual program. It meets every other week with a seminar taught virtually by Allie, and I'll be on there um, answering all of your burning questions. We also have a private Facebook group and about 20-plus handouts that come with the class.
2: Yes, it's very interactive whether you are a keto newbie or you're keto curious or you are a keto veteran and you've been rocking out varied applications of your diet – This is a functional medicine approach to a ketogenic diet. So you will learn about adrenal fatigue, how to address thyroid imbalance, how to balance your hormones, the impact of endocrine disrupting compounds and toxins, and how to support detoxification through your keto, how to address leaky gut, where you might cycle in a keto carnivore approach, and so much more. Guaranteed, regardless of how much you are killing it or suffering through your diet, you will have a ton of aha moments and a lot of application of things to actually do about it, not just learning information where you're like, okay, now, now what? Um, you're actually gonna get like a one plus two approach to how you can play with modifications in your macros. You may learn how to experience carb cycling or liberalizing your diet or changing the way that you're fasting. Maybe if you're doing the fat fast to do a water fast or vice versa and so much more. And the most important part of it, which is obviously a huge passion of mine, is reconnecting you with your body and its needs. So kind of as a theme within today's episode, you know, no – influencer, no dietician, no doctor, no one person is going to be able to tell you how you need to eat to feed your body the right way. My goal of this program is to teach you how to listen to the feedback of your body and understand it and then modify and change to support it. Yes,
1: and I'm sure we'll be talking a lot in today's episode about how keto as a tool can be something to get you back on track, whether we've fallen off or had a cheat or just aren't as e- eating as clean as we would like to be, et oh, yeah. cetera. Yes. Um, <laughs> all right. And then on April 25th, so coming right up around the corner, we've got a really exciting event called Food is Medicine at the Farm happening in Austin.
2: Yes, I'm so excited, you guys. This is going to be at Eden East, which is an urban farm. If you are literally in any area of Texas, it's worth the drive. Like, it's This is not just for Austin people. If you're in San Antonio, if you're in Houston, it's worth the drive. It's going to be an amazing event, and it is the Thursday before Paleo FX, so if you're flying in for that anyway... Definitely maybe adjust your flight or make sure you can make it. It's going to start at 6 p.m. on Thursday, April 25th, and the whole – focus of this event is me telling the story of food as medicine in an experiential way. So we're going to have a bone brothery where we're going to be doing different fatty blends of bone broth, which is sponsored by Bonafide Provisions. We have an apothecary where we're making herbal syrups. We have one called I Am Resilient, which is an adaptogenic blend, and one called I Am Mellow, which is going to be a nervine, stress-calming blend. We have uh, CBD-infused honey tastings, we have wine by Dry Farm Wines, we have an anatomy of the garden station where you'll learn about the variance between roots and stems and fruits as far as the botanical elements of plants and how to make a balanced flavor profile in your salads and how that impacts your nutrient density. And we also will be having another stand called the Fermentation Station, which I'm super excited about, teaching you guys how to do a lactic acid brine and ferment varied forms of foods. And then we'll also have a local kombucha partner there teaching about scobies and and fermentation. So lots of hands-on. Don't even have time to list all of the amazing things. We'll have live bluegrass and just a really cool day of celebrating local food and community.
1: Yeah, it's going to be really, really fun. So hop on over to grab your tickets. Um, you can find more about the event at AllieMillerRD slash events. And I will link direct to ticket sales in the show notes. So you can grab your tickets. 30 bucks, you guys. I'd say they're really, only $30. <laughs> it's a really good value. And, you know, we're not serving dinner per se, but you'll get, you know, certainly some bites. And then what's really cool is that they eat an East um, farm farm. Restaurant truck will be open afterwards, so we'll be around all night, I'm sure, congregating and um, tasting what they have to offer as well.
2: Yep. And then the last update is, right, following that is paleo effects. So I will be on two panel discussions, one on raising paleo children uh, and kind of my philosophies of feeding Stella with a a panel of experts on raising your children in a dirty, (laughs) sad environment. And then also I'll be on a panel discussion about intermittent fasting and the ketogenic diet. And then I am leading a workshop lecture on functional medicine approaches to keto. So if you're out there and you see Becky and I, make sure you stop us. I just met podcast fans at Heruska's gas station when I was driving. Yeah, when I was driving from um, Houston, I lectured at Transformation Enzymes and um, was driving back to Austin, and I was so tickled that they stopped me in the bathroom. And Stella got to tell them Becky all about the dinosaurs she saw. Yeah, that's awesome. It was so fun. Um, So always, always, you guys, it it means so much, and it really warms my heart to have that engagement. um, And looking forward to all of the action in April. So let's let's get into it, girl. We got a lot to talk about today.
1: All right. So first of all, I think we talked about this way, way back in episode 50 on why diets fail, but because it's been like 80 plus episodes at this point, I think (laughs) it's worth talking about just cheat days as a concept and your opinion on this idea of having a day where you cheat.
2: Yeah. I put out a blog. I think actually way back in like 2012 on why I don't recommend a cheat day with the word cheat in quotations. And the reason is, is that, I love food. Don't trust a dietitian that doesn't love food. (laughs) Don't trust anyone (laughs) that tells you about diet that doesn't love food. I am a foodie first, and I use food as medicine to empower me, but I am not food phobic. Um, I believe that food is an expression of community, of the earth, of a way to honor the circle of life. It manifest so many emotions. And hopefully in today's episode, we can cut the ties of the negative emotions associated with food and really harness in on joy, nostalgia, celebratory. Uh, You know, food shaming is often a root cause of disordered eating, and it's the foundation of a poor relationship with food. So, you know, to be clear, I do not accept food-like substances because that's not fair to call them food, right? Like, (laughs) So if we're talking about something that is derived from a petrochemical (laughs) and is an additive or chemical compound, then yeah, I might create some shame level of that because that's not food, but I think all real foods have a place. And it's important to note that, and I'm hoping that in today's episode in this perspective that We really can find a way to make harmony with our body and satisfy the cravings that we have emotionally, mentally, while still honoring and respecting our body. So, you know, by this, I'm saying that if you're, in air quotes, cheat is to have pizza or your cheat is to have a donut or something, if you feel crummy after having gluten and you have abdominal bloating and you have... Uh, anticipatory stress or anxiety or joint pain, then you need to spend a little bit of time doing a health check inventory and potentially find an alternative indulgence that tastes good and feels good. You know, we when we did an episode with Christina Kirp um, with Castaway Kitchen, I love one of her phrases, love the food that loves you back you know? So we want to eat whole, real food. We want to be able to not get so rigid with our our dietary approach that we have this all or nothing dichotomy because that can lead to guilt-shame spirals. Um, So, you know, we really have to prioritize when we're thinking of a cheat day that what we eat has to honor our body first and foremost, and sometimes honoring your body, even if you're practicing a ketogenic diet, might be eating a ripe pear in the summer, and it might be on a day that wasn't a scheduled carb cycle, and that might provide you more nourishment for your whole system than avoiding it and feeling restricted and white-knuckling your diet approach.
1: Oh, a hundred percent. And I think, you know, something else to be said, and I'm sure we'll get into this is that, you know, different times and different seasons uh, yes. are really important to, to honor. So like when berries are in season and peaches are in season and you feel like going for that, that's amazing and awesome. And, you know, that your reaction or response to these foods might change over time and that's something I know you and I have learned like in our own bodies we both oh, had yeah. a bad experience with corn chips recently.
2: <laughs> yes, yes. And and again it's like one of those like permissive like we we were camping, we were literally at a like diner and mm-hmm. we we're like, "Oh, blue corn chips, those must not be GMO." They must be (laughs) Wegolo, regular (laughs) chips, not GMO. (laughs) And so, you know, we we went for it. And then I dealt with like three days of bloating chronic constipation where I'm like, okay, that's why I eat guacamole with a spoon. Check. Got it. And you know, then there's other days when I might not be carb cycling and I may bring Siete um, the non-corn chips to a gathering because Brady and Stella eat those. And I might be like, you know what? I want salty, crunchy, and um, I'm not feeling pork rinds today. And that's an indulgence. And my body is metabolically dynamic and adaptable. And me kicking myself out of ketosis for a six to eight-hour window is not going to have a cost-to-benefit ratio that's unfavorable in the grand scheme. You know, so we have to be mindful that at times of metabolic shift or our goals, you know, what are our health goals in the moment? And at that time and that reflection, some foods might be more allowed than others. And this is a trade-off that you need to make with yourself, not what a wellness influencer tells you, not what I tell you, not what your guidelines or macros tell you. It needs to be what you decide in the moment and
1: what feels right ultimately. Okay, so let's unpack that a little bit further because I love what you just said. Um, What would be a difference in priority and goals or how one might approach a situation differently?
2: So it comes back to this concept again of, Doctrine creates disconnect, right? So if we get too altruistic with our diet, if we create this rigidity, then we're setting up for failure. Like I said, uh, the higher the cliff of perfection, the higher the drop, right? Or the longer the drop, the more dynamic the drop. And that cheat like scenario may drive us to overconsume. And in that timestamp, if we're if we're overconsuming in a mindful in excuse me, if we're consuming a quote unquote cheat food, let's use the idea of a siete chip. Okay, so if we're consuming that in a mindful indulgence, um, we may eat six to seven, maybe 10 of those chips, and that's going to satiate our cravings. If we're to consume them in a guilt-shame spiral, we're probably going to eat them more rapidly, right? We're going to eat them quicker. We're not going to taste them. And ultimately, we may not even enjoy the experience. That's very different than a permissive, mindful indulgence.
1: Sure, totally. And, and even, you know, this past weekend, we had some really yummy Korean food that my husband made. And we had these rice cakes that are one ingredient, pure rice. And it was the first time you and Brady had tried them. So, yeah, despite not quote unquote carb cycling right now, you went for it
2: absolutely because so for me again my non-negotiable are things that actually I have a physiological feedback and I'm talking again only real food right we're not talking about a gas station corn dog as a real food so of real foods like you said these rice cakes were the only ingredient was rice right so of real foods my non-negotiable are foods that actually hurt my body and I have a bad response to and I know that two of those are are gluten non-negotiable. Like if I eat gluten, I feel like there are razor blades in my belly. <laughs> like Not a good time. Not worth it. I've made that clear distinction. If I eat corn, I've realized more and more and more sensitivity to corn probably because that gluten-mimicking compound. So I'm now kind of writing off corn a little bit more aggressively But with rice, it's one of those that, yes, it's a carb, but my body tends to tolerate it really well. And I wanted the authentic – I mean, Byron cooked for what, like 8 to 10 hours and it was like a (laughs) Korean Thanksgiving? You guys, he made like seven dishes and he had lettuce wraps. He had all these things that the majority – I'm sure if I did my macros of the meal, it was probably like – 60 grams of fat because I ate pretty much at that meal, (laughs) like 60 grams of fat, probably 30 to 40 grams of protein, and probably 20 to 30 grams of carbs at that meal. Um, And so I did. I went for like four to five pieces of these flash-fried sticky rice cake things that were like flash-fried in avocado and coconut oil. They were dense. They probably kicked me out of ketosis but my body is resilient, it's metabolically flexible, and it knows the benefit of fat burning. So I don't find that that's going to have a long-term hindrance on my metabolism. And honestly, that was the most enjoyable part of my meal. I was like, woo, this is amazing. Like the crunchy mouth yeah. feel. It was so nourishing on a soul communal element that I have zero regrets. And I'm so grateful that I tried them. And the following day, you know, Right back
1: into producing ketones in my blood. Yes, and we made sure we prioritized with him. Hey, everything needs to be gluten free and soy free for me. Soy. So like everything else was, you know, totally, um, totally compliant with how we both eat. So it was like the rice is, is good to go. And, you know, when I have Korean food at his mother's house, despite it being like delicious and home cooked, I get that razors in my belly feeling because there's all kinds of things in sauces. So, you know, making that exception for the rice cake and ensuring that everything is hundred percent gluten-free because it was cooked in my household. And we literally don't have like a grain of gluten containing anything in the house.
2: Right. And, you know, that kind of sings the note that also stress and the emotional elements at a meal can play a huge role too. Um, I know we've both talked about this how both of us have the most digestive distress when we're like traveling, yeah. when we're traveling with other family um, or in laws, like <laughs> so, which we love them. But it's just this thing, I think, because we have this predisposed like anxiety lead up to it, right? Of like, oh, I know I've had reactions in the past. So there's this like anxiety anticipatory distress distress response i truly believe that and you know there are foods that on another perspective of like a vacation right or really mellow mode we actually may metabolize foods more favorably when we're in a more parasympathetic state because When you're in that rest, digest, low stress mode and you're not on guard or maybe out of your comfort zone, right? You're actually making more digestive enzymes, your hydrochloric acid is optimized, you are going to be... In less of an output of gluconeogenesis, you're not spilling sugar into the bloodstream as you would in a sympathetic fight or flight stress response. And so likely you're also releasing less insulin. So you likely have a little bit more carb tolerance and also, uh, I would say, inflammatory food tolerance uh, when you are in a relaxed state. But when you're in a stressed state, you're going to have more carb intolerance and more inflammatory food reactions.
1: That just clicked so many buttons for me. Was a big, <laughs> big aha moment of like,
2: so oh my practice to meditation. Yep. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> go for oh a walk God. outside. Never. You know, grounding all these things before dinner. And and hey, let's see how it goes next holiday. <laughs>
1: Yeah. Right. And then, you know, depends on what kind of vacations you take too. So if you're traveling for like three weeks and changing hotels every other day, like we do sometimes (laughs) versus sitting on a beach in Mexico, you might tolerate different things a little bit differently. And we'll get into um, some tools for support when you are traveling, when you are indulging. um, And when you have those more kind of stressful moments and are still needing to consume food and eat. Um, But first let's, um, distinguish, let's go on and distinguish keto as a metabolic state versus a yes or no food list. Because this is where, you know, I think this concept of cheating can often come in or falling off planning here from clients all the time. And I'm like, you fell off because you had sweet potatoes. Like those are real food. It's okay. Um, Um, these, these like carb cycles may be necessary or warranted for whole body health.
2: Yes. And I mean, that's one of my, I'm just going to like build a book of mantras um, because one of my big ones now that I'm on beyond that doctrine creates disconnect, which is totally relevant to this concept. But ketosis is a metabolic state, not a yes, no food list, right? So like we said, as long as you're eating a whole real food, it very well may fit and then depending on your metabolic flexibility and your goals and priorities you decide how much of that food to consume to still achieve your goals and priorities you know and so even staying in a ketogenic state you guys have heard me talk about how you know Becky and I practice in my protocol I have a phase 1 a phase 1.5 and a phase 2 all based on the level of carb restriction and Becky and I live in like a phase 1.5 and I I notice when I'm under high stress, I have to liberalize even more because my body loves burning fat. <laughs> like we just had this recent aha moment when we were unpacking and, and looking at we, we like to be each other's practitioners. And um, you know, I noticed with my book deadline, I'm like, oh my gosh, like my my boobs have shrunk like a half cup size. Like what's going on? And and then I'm realizing, like, oh, well, I need to double down on the fats on my fat fast. And oh, I need to maybe liberalize my carbs a little bit further because I tested my ketones and they're way above 2.5. So when my body goes into stress mode, it upregulates fat burn and I need to be able to manage that, you know? And so what works for me in one, one, one sampling of my life will be different than another sampling and we have to be adaptive to that. So that's my first kind of aha. And I just did a recent interview for Women's Health Magazine on keto salad dressings and i just thought it was in in some sense i mean don't get me wrong i love i love interviews i love being a contributor but i thought it was kind of the silliest thing like what is a keto salad dressing <laughs> like salad dressings in their nature are fat and acid so in theory All salad dressings should be keto-friendly. Now, there's poor quality industrialized oils, right, like canola oil and soybean oil, and there's additives in salad dressings that are store-bought, like maltodextrin, and there's salad dressings that have non-caloric sweeteners in them, but you know, salad dressings in general should be keto friendly. And we don't have to get into this like labeling um, of it has to have the word keto to be safe. And at the same stance, we don't have to add a non-caloric sweetener for it to be keto. Like Brady was sharing with me these nut butter packs, you know, I'm a huge fan of F-bomb because they're really clean. They're like three ingredients, like macadamia nuts, pecans, and salt, right? And he was sharing with me this uh, other new company that has cool branding, yada, yada, and they have erythritol in them. It's like, you don't need to add a non-caloric sweetener to make your product keto. You could just use real food. Yep.
1: Nut butter (laughs) is... automatically keto. keto. You, just, you don't have I'm to just, add erythritol to make yeah. it keto. <laughs> you just totally ruined the taste. Oh my gosh. That like, I know my like teeth hurt. <laughs> head
2: against wall. Right. <laughs> and, and, you know, so at the same time, we also need to be mindful with my kind of earlier conversation about how I'm recently adjusting my diet as my book deadline is at the end of May, like I'm going to have to liberalize maybe some days more frequently beyond my carb cycling into that phase two intake of carbs. And there's a little bit of an emotional breakup, like because it's like I I mourn the loss of like fasting for me is super easy, but I need to acknowledge and release the fact that fasting right now for my body is probably not the most nourishing and I need to eat eggs or I need to make nut butter pancakes and things like that within the first couple hours of rise because my body just needs more fuel right now. It's in a higher demand state. I saw you making those
1: nut butter pancakes this morning, morning. so I'm proud of you. Good job, day one. I'm a good patient. I'm a good patient, Becky. I'm telling you. I'm a compliant student. And I think for both of us, it's like having that outside voice of like, what would you actually tell yourself if you were a client, Allie? (laughs) Yeah.
2: Yeah. I was like, oh, oh, right. My pituitary is suppressing its LH and FSH, Uh and my estrogen and progesterone is suppressed
1: my boobs shrinking. Let's get those back on track. Let's eat food. Sure. Versus like automatically going to like, let's run your hormones and see what's going on. It's like, oh, just have some breakfast. Like, let's see what happens.
2: Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, (laughs) kind of going back to that all or nothing, yes or no food choice. It's the question of how you define cheat. Does it mean that it was a bad experience or does it just mean that it was off your perfect plan? because that's a very big difference, you know. Bad experience was us having diner blue corn chips. <laughs> bad experience. I would call that, you know, negative feedback. I wouldn't even call that a cheat because it was a mindful intake, but it wasn't just like if if I didn't have that bad feedback and my body felt fine, it was just off plan.
1: Right, and and that part is so so important. Like listening to the body's feedback to know how far we can allow that pendulum to swing the next time. And what's so cool is a lot of our clients and, and in ourselves too is we come to this on our own after a few of those like trial and error moments. And sometimes you need a reminder, like yep. the corn chip incident. Uh, but what would be some some indicators that a cheat day or a cheat meal has like gone way too far and maybe even to the level of binge eating?
2: Yeah. And I want to – I will definitely unpack those. But what I want to say real quick is that that's what's so amazing about our virtual Food is Medicine ketosis program because you will have an aha moment literally every single class and throughout the engagement in our private uh, Facebook uh, portal, I suppose. Because like I said – We are living it. Like we are constantly shifting and adapting and sharing our experience. And I think that that's a really powerful piece is this authenticity and vulnerability factor. Yes. Okay. (laughs) So, uh, So, yes, what would be some of the indicators that a cheat or a meal or an intake has gone too far and... We've maybe hit binge eating. Well, so one of the big ones I think of is digestive distress, right? So if we're dealing with severe bloating and distension or, like I said, the razor blades in your intestines, if you're dealing with cramping, GI distress, diarrhea, constipation, that's all feedback that maybe you've stressed out your system with food right? If you're having a dynamic mood shift, like all of a sudden you're feeling super anxious after you were feeling really grounded with your diet approach. If you're feeling uh, depression or lows, if you're dealing with rumination, guilt, shame spirals, that may be something that you need to redefine your relationship with food, or it could be the food itself as a culprit. So mood shifts, I would say are a little bit sticky, right? Based on how doctrinated you are with your diet, but also it could be a physiological response. And then a definite physiological response, response would be inflammatory processes, so joint pain, swelling, fluid retention. You can see that also by weight gain if the body's holding on to water. Usually, people love to chuck that up to sodium, but um, I often tie that more into an inflammatory response in the body. And then, if you find yourself perpetuating these cravings, obsessing about food and continuing to eat these foods again rapidly, and especially if it's secretive, that's more of along the lines of a binge. And when we think of this food as medicine approach, we really need to be mindful and gentle with ourselves because every aha feedback that you receive and you take some time to be introspective to ask yourself the whys, you're going to get closer and closer to optimal. And that pendulum, like you said, Becky, swings less further, right? It doesn't, it doesn't go as far on both ends of the spectrum.
1: Yeah, I think that's so, so good. and And really, you know being mindful and gentle with ourselves during that process is really important, right? It's just information at the end of the day. It doesn't break what you do the next day or even the next bite of food or the next meal. Right. Absolutely. Okay. So before we go any further, I want to have a quick word from today's sponsor for our episode, CrowdCal.
2: Oh, one of my favorite indulgences. That (laughs) wouldn't
1: be off plan.
2: (laughs) No, totally on plan. Uh, So Crowd Cow delivers the very best craft meat from farm to table. One of my favorite things is that you actually get to learn about the growers or the farmer, the independent ranchers who produced your beef, as well as their ranching practices and the breed of the animal that you are going to be consuming. You get to pick the exact cuts and it gets delivered straight to your door. So it's not subscription. You don't get surprised by your deliveries. You're not tied into anything and you get to order based on, you know, your desire. And I have to say that one of my favorite things, this is going to sound silly, but one of my favorite things that they have is their ground beef because it's dry aged ground beef. I will never eat wet aged or non-aged dry beef excuse me, ground beef ever again because the flavor profile and the mouthfeel is just phenomenal. Pasture raised, grass fed, grass finished, dry aged ground beef for crowd cow is the bomb.
1: Yes. So, so good. You made those burgers for us last time we were in Austin, even like reheated a little bit later after you guys had eaten because we got in late. They were so freaking good. Yeah. Uh, so <laughs> Crown Cow features 100% grass-fed, grass-finished beef. They also have the option of pastured grain-finished beef, A5 Wagyu from Japan, which we were lucky enough to experience. And I would say that is like the ultimate indulgence. Right? If you like pork belly,
2: um, this yeah. is not belly, but it is just buttery, umami flavor, explosion in your mouth. Like I salivate talking about it. Yes.
1: Yes. Yes. <laughs> yes. I just love that, you know, you have that that kind of variety of you can choose based on, you know, if you're having a celebratory meal, whatever, or just stock up on their ground beef. And you always know that you're getting the very best Independent craft beef. You know where it's coming from, who produced it, how it was raised, and they never work with industrial factory farms, CAFO, or beef brokers.
2: Yeah. Super important there. So their mission is to help people discover and access the highest quality craft beef and meats and bring people together, farmers and consumers, families, and friends. So from farm to table experience, you can get variety of different cuts. They have pork, lamb, beef, chicken, you name it. And um, you should go over now to crowdcow.com backslash Nourished, and you will get $25 off. You will also get free shipping as a limited time offer. So backslash Naturally Nourished, the name of our podcast, at crowdcow.com.
1: Awesome. So let's jump back in and talk a little bit about some of the mechanisms that are actually responsible for cravings in the first place. And let's talk on like a nerdy, geeky science neurotransmitter level, but also on just like a mood and emotional level.
2: Yeah. I I mean, I think on a mood, emotional level, the first thing to ask yourself is why and, like, what were the situations? So in one of the classes of our virtual keto program, we talk about behavior chains and we talk about, you know, really unpacking falling off. And one of the big connecting dots is vulnerability. Right. So vulnerability can be from an emotional vulnerability, like maybe you had a breakup. That's a huge vulnerability, right? Maybe you got in an argument with someone. Maybe you're exhausted. That's vulnerability. Maybe you undernourished, that's vulnerability. So preventing vulnerability is a huge piece of the puzzle and will allow you to not have to white knuckle your diet when you're feeling this void or this emptying. So determining your, your why is extremely important when you're selecting your what or preventing such a low that's going to kind of catapult a binge. Because often one of my other mantras and favorites, so old school mantra is over-restriction leads to over-consumption, right? So if you over, over, over-restrict and you're finding yourself in a vulnerable state, you're likely going to fall off. Now, there's totally neurotransmitter and hormonal components as well. So we're going to talk about a little bit deeper the elements of like dopamine and serotonin, right? So these do and, – and as Becky mentioned, I think episode 50-something was on curbing your cravings. And I d- dig really deep into the neurotransmitters behind it. But the big picture here is that when you're stressed – you burn through B vitamins and neurotransmitters at a higher demand, right? You're like burning the midnight oil, and that's going to metabolize higher amounts of these compounds that are otherwise feel-good mood stabilizers. So you're kind of running up a downhill escalator after a stressful day. You're going to show up, dopamine depleted and serotonin depleted, and then you're going to look for that like numbing food coma to fill that void. So you may want to consider otherwise looking at amino acids, your protein building blocks that make these neurotransmitters paired with b vitamin supplementation to give you the cofactors and activators and I'll space there because we're going to get into supplement strategy in a moment but it could be truly neurochemical that could be driving this it could also be blood sugar imbalance if you're not doing a ketogenic diet or a low glycemic diet and you have a naked carb which i always advise against like just a piece of fruit chances are that you're going to have a blood sugar spike. Your insulin is going to surge and that's going to bring your blood sugar down. And then you're going to be dealing with hypoglycemia and, you know, really severe hunger. So it's going to feel like this out-of-body hunger. So having ample fat and protein and potentially considering a ketogenic diet can help with the blood sugar imbalance element. And then also on a kind of physiological response, we look at poor sleep. We know that in our sleep time, we actually get optimized metabolism. So our REM cycles of sleep is when we burn the most calories, but also that's when we get the most neurogenesis. That's when we get neurotransmitter rebounding and production. So we're coming at a depletion if we're under sleeping, we're going to use food to keep us awake, alert, but also to fill that void. And then final thing I'll say is if it is microbiome-related. So if you have yeast overgrowth or dysbiosis, there can literally be a beast in your belly that is demanding intake of refined sugar carbohydrate foods because we know these foods thrive. Pathogens and yeast off of sugar. And so you could actually be getting these dynamic feedbacks. And we know when you're in a state of dysbiosis, your body puts out more epinephrine or adrenaline. So you're feeling more anxious, more wiry, and food can be kind of used, again, to kind of give you that, that coma-like shutdown or uh, fill feeling, which can in some sense kind of ground that beast.
1: And we talked about candida and SIBO overgrowth um, back Last in one episode. So look back if that sounds like you, or you want to dig deeper there. Look back at episode one thirty-one. It's a really, really good one. Oh yeah. All right. So how do we determine? So a lot of reasons we could be having a craving in the first place. How do we determine if the craving actually? should be indulged in the first place? Like, is there some mental speak that we can go through if we're craving chocolate, let's say every day at the same time after dinner? How do we create those rules and structure without either excessive indulgence or feeling that over restriction?
2: Right. So, you know, there's differences of physiological versus emotional hunger. If you're dealing first and foremost with like, Actual stomach growling, um, which actually, as I reflect back for the last two months. I, you know, our flow was I would break my fast around noon because, you know, Brady would take Stella's to school, blah, blah, blah. And my stomach would start growling at like 9 a.m. onward. And like, I talk about this all the time. Again, mm-hmm. I'm like laughing <laughs> at myself, but I was just like, yep, I'm hungry, but my body's resilient. It's my, you know, like, la, la, la. But if your belly is growling and you're actually dealing with hunger, like, like emptiness, feeling of fatigue. Um, and you're trying to lose weight, you might start with just giving yourself your pure fat, like a nut butter pack or one to two tablespoons of coconut oil, to actually give yourself physiological hunger support. Right, so you're actually giving yourself calories and giving yourself fats, so that you know that should be able to satiate. Um, but if it is very food specific, you might have some introspective work on what element might be nourishing that you're craving. So if you're craving potato chips, you know, maybe it's the salt. Maybe you're under high stress and it's more of like an adrenal fatigue thing and you need to be more liberal with your salt overall and you want to incorporate pickles, which also include probiotics and salt. Um, You know, and then maybe otherwise if you want the salty crunchy element and we'll talk at the end of today's episode in rapid fire, so I won't give away that suggestion. But if it's chocolate, my relationship with that would be because chocolate has super high antioxidants, it has magnesium, it has zinc, those can be mood-stabilizing minerals, um, you know, give yourself one to two squares of high-quality dark chocolate. And again, I don't like any of those crappy keto chocolates out there that add xylitol, ste- stevia, erythritol. I go for Hue Kitchen chocolate that actually uses a little bit of organic cane or um, Eating Evolve that uses coconut sugar but we're eating this at 80 to 85% dark chocolate and I'm having one to two squares. It's an awesome mouthfeel. I let it melt slowly in my mouth. It resonates. It fills the void and it's providing me less than a total of four grams of carbs. That's not going to mess with my hustle.
1: Awesome. I love that. And yeah, asking yourself all of those kind of big picture questions of like, am I actually hungry or am I hungry for a specific food? And and one thing that I find helpful um, that I do in our household, because we really don't keep a lot of like packaged anything around. So um, if I notice I'm craving, let's say chocolate chip cookies or whatever, I go through this mental process of, okay, I don't have them in the house. So I would either have to go and physically get them, which I don't know of a brand right now, the, other than maybe Capillo's that are um, kind of slice and, and baked from frozen that I would go and get off the shelf anyway, that would taste good to me. Um, or what about if I go through the whole process of making this food in question? So I have to do this mental inventory of like, is it worth my time of preheating the oven, making sure I have all of the ingredients baking the cookies. And then like, usually I get the leftovers out of the house the next day. So I'm like, Hey, Byron, do you have a meeting tomorrow that you can bring cookies? Sure. to?" So it's this whole process of like, okay, I know I would make it better with better ingredients, but is it truly worth it? And if the answer is yes, like I love to bake. And sometimes that's a great de-stressor. Totally. Um, but totally. It would also be like a, a kind of stop to the process.
2: Yes, yes. The, the time investment cost of benefit either is nourishing, the process of making it can be nourishing, right? And I would add, you know, you can modify your recipe again based on your metabolic flexibility. So I have this bomb chocolate chip cookie recipe in the anti-anxiety diet that each cookie is seven total grams of carbs. So you can have a chocolate chip cookie every single day while still being in a pretty tight, rigid keto, not even a huge metabolically flexible keto. And that might work well for you. And it uses one tablespoon of molasses and 1 tablespoon of grade B maple and has then, you know, tons of fats and eggs and gelatin in it for an awesome mouthfeel and no non-caloric sweeteners and and that works and that's super nourishing and I was on a roll where I was making those every single week for like 4 weeks and that was probably because again, I was undernourished, my body was like eat more calories mm-hmm. add this to your two meals you're having, girlfriend. Um, and so yeah, it's it's all about the connection to the body. It all comes back to quality and and honoring and nourishing and
1: and losing that rigidity. Awesome, I love it. And so beyond that, one thing we often recommend as a strategy, if we are noticing that we're like making the cookies every night and or know, sweeter, right, but, or not yeah, modifying the yeah, recipe, yeah, right, exactly. Mm-hmm. Um, or we kind of keep going off every single weekend. We recommend jumping back into having some structure. And this is where, you know, if we've had a cheat day or two or three or weeks or months, we might consider tightening up with keto, for example, for, you know, six to 12 week period. Or if we're feeling really physiologically off, we might want to get back into like a, a bacteria cleanse or something like that as a um, structure.
2: Right. And, you know, again, this concept of keto can work on either end of the spectrum. So you might need to tighten up or loosen up on your keto, right? So if you are falling off and you're eating higher amounts of carbs, like 60 to 90 grams of carbs, and you're eating the more traditional, classic, chocolate chip cookie, right? And each cookie has 22 to 30 grams of carbs, right? Well, then you might want to do a tighter keto reset. If you are doing a tighter keto reset, you might want to use strategic carb cycling and be proactive. You know, if your body's craving these things, you might want to be proactive and actually integrate and add in carbs because that may support your hormones that may aid in leptin. And I say, you know, listen to episode 75 to learn about my philosophies there.
1: Awesome. And, you know, beyond carb control mechanisms of keto, resetting if carb cycling went awry is something we talk about often in our class. So we basically present the concept of carb cycling in class, is it four or five? (laughs) In
2: Five. five. Well, I think at four, we start talking about leptin, right? So leptin is the huge hormonal impact and the impact of leptin on your thyroid and your ovaries and how you can go from leptin resistance to leptin sensitivity. And then what are the signs and markers of leptin depletion? And when you're in a leptin depletion mode, that's when we would recommend carb cycling, but we'll save that for the program and other episodes. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Um, What about mantra and self-talk. We touched on this a little bit, uh, but any particulars around ways to speak to yourself or be kind to yourself if you've had a slip-up?
2: Yeah. So if you've had a slip-up, and especially if you're feeling like a binge out of control approach, I think just neutralizing can be very powering. So I use food to empower me. It holds no power over me is a very clean one because we can feel in a cycle of food addiction or out of control. Um, Also something as simple as I intake nourishment in mind, body, and soul, as well as food choice. I am whole. I am full. Um, visualizing actually filling your cup or things that spiritually and emotionally fill you up can be very empowering. And then, you know, really questioning and potentially working with a therapist if you feel like you are harming or damaging yourself or, you know, practicing masochistic behaviors with your food. Because often I do find this impact where following weight loss success, especially people that have significant weight loss, one of the biggest reasons why they regain their weight is because of, again, vulnerability. Vulnerability is so big as a connection of where we feel exposed or where we feel weak, and we can use food to hide behind as well.
1: Yeah. I think that's so, so interesting that it's like, oh, people are suddenly giving me attention and looking at me. I need to Go back to how I was and and not get that attention. Um, Absolutely. And then I think another um, kind of practice of of self care could be intentionally filling that void, if you will, um, with non food treats. So you know, choosing something like putting on a face mask, taking a bath, booking a massage when we're starting to feel like burned out, and and going for those food indulgences to fill that void.
2: Yes. And I always push to get sunlight and if possible, grounding, like being outside barefoot. That is so settling and so nourishing for me.
1: Awesome. I love that. I need to do more of that too. (laughs) (laughs) My body craves it. Um, Let's talk about supplements to address some of the mental and emotional nature of craving, getting out of that cheat day mentality. Because like you said, like sometimes white knuckling it is not... (laughs) It's not going to work or it's going to cause a further slip up or this like beating up on ourselves.
2: Yes, yes. White knuckling generally just drives that deeper over-restriction, which only catapults the rebound of the overcompensation more dynamic, right? So don't do that. Um, When I'm thinking of like especially binge eating or impulse, um, having issues with impulse control, I am all about GABA. So I mentioned, you know, your neurotransmitters are metabolized based on demand, and you burn through neurotransmitters that are inhibitory or mellowing out when you have higher chronic stress response. So GABA and serotonin start to get really depleted, and that's where we feel like this emptiness of lack of joy or higher anticipatory stress or rumination or anxiety. So my GABA calm chew is the bomb for those types of situations, especially if you notice like the transition as a working mom to coming home and you want to be present with your children and not still be thinking about the issues or episodes earlier in your day or the million emails you have to answer. If you want to kind of just shift gears, GABA Calm can be really beautiful for transition times. It can be very beautiful for high demand stress response, like public speaking or flying. It can be used as like a calorie-free glass of wine that may better support your body physiologically when you need a little bit of effort to mellow out your hustle, (laughs) you know, all of the things. But it does uh, really impact impulsivity. So if you notice yourself opening the door of your pantry when you get home for no reason and not knowing what you're looking for, take a calm. And then wait 10 minutes, and you're going to be just fine. And that will definitely allow this white knuckle to release. So that's kind of a first impulse. And that's something that you would pulse in, meaning using at times of demand. Now, big picture wise, for both a physiological and a neurotransmitter connection, I would suggest GI lining for everyone as well. Uh, This is going to provide L glutamine. And glutamine deficiency is actually associated with behaviors that are seen with addictive um, tendencies as well as brain fog and anxiety. And glutamine, when low, can drive intensive sugar cravings. So the GI lining powder provides L-glutamine in 3,500 milligrams or 3.5 grams along with aloe and DGL, which provides provides this like oopy goopy mucilaginous <laughs> delivery to the gut. And that also is going to tighten your gut junctions or your gut lining to have less sensitivity to foods. We use this with everyone that's doing our MRT protocol as they're removing inflammatory foods to really repair and seal the gut. So you're going to absorb nutrients more efficiently, have less food sensitivity, and also aid with that sugar addiction or food addiction and anxiety brain fog. So a scoop of that at night can can be very powerful. You can also play with doing a scoop of that under your tongue at times of
1: demand. Awesome. And then if we're dealing with low dopamine or adrenal fatigue, the adrenal support bundle might be somewhere to go.
2: Yeah. So remember, your adrenals don't just make cortisol. They also make your dopamine, norepinephrine, and epinephrine. So if you're feeling flat and really seeking external, the adrenal support bundle has that adrenal glandular. Adrenal support is the name of that supplement. And then in the bundle also is our adaptogen boost, which is going to aid with stress-induced fatigue. So often, like I said, if you're dealing with fatigue, you use food as a pick-me-up. So that's a fantastic tool there and supports your metabolism, supports your thyroid. And then the Calm and Clear is in there. And that has the best tools to regulate your neurotransmitters in general. So it has L-theanine to get you with that alpha wave balance of concentration, clarity, focus. It aids in reducing excess and driving, uh, building of deficiency patterns in your neurotransmitters without a one-stop shop and has a beautiful blend of B vitamins, which are going to help to activate your neurotransmitters and then nervines and adaptogens on an herbal support to aid with stress, resilience, and tolerance.
1: And then beyond that, as just kind of a blanket of overall support, I would say our multi-defense is kind of a good first stop um, totally guarding against micronutrient deficiencies that could drive and perpetuate cravings absolutely okay and then supplement strategy there's a little overlap here but um, to kind of recover the damage done from a cheat day or from a, a binge I know the GI lining would kind of fall into both worlds for sure
2: Yep. And then I would layer on Digest-Aid. I take Digest-Aid with my largest meal of the day anyway, and then any time I'm dining out. um, But especially if I know I'm going to like indulge, uh, I'm going to take at least two at that meal. So Digest-Aid is going to help you to break down foods to be less inflammatory, um, especially if you select to do gluten or dairy, because it's going to break down that caseomorphin. And that's a big piece of the puzzle that also drives addictive tendencies with those foods. So digesting to be something to layer on there. And then if you feel that you overindulged in carbs or alcohol, um, or if you're traveling and might be prone towards a pathogen, like if you're doing a lot of raw fish and things like that, or street food, berberine boost is a traveler favorite uh, because it's going to help on a bacteria and yeast impact and also has oral hypoglycemic impact to keep your blood
1: sugar controlled. Yes. And then for inflammatory or joint pain, super turmeric and or EPA, DHA would definitely be appropriate. Yeah.
2: And even if you have a headache, you know, sometimes you have like a, like just a yuck kind of hangover response to food. So super turmeric and EPA, DHA are awesome for that. And then if you... in in the terms of hangover, if you did consume alcohol (laughs) and or if you had inflammatory foods and you're dealing with the residual impact, ultimate detox, and maybe even the detox packs. I take a detox pack anytime I have more than a single glass of wine.
1: Awesome. So great tools. And we'll link to all of those in the show notes. Um, What about intermittent fasting or even doing like a bone broth fast as a reset?
2: I think that's a fantastic tool. You know, Bone broth fasting is fantastic because it does rest your gut. Um, And so, you know, allowing the gut actual tissue to heal if you had any digestive distress or inflammatory consequences from falling off or eating off plan. And then you're going to get the benefit also of autophagy, BDNF, your your brain-derived nootropic factor. You're going to get uh, immune health boost and um, really allow the body to reset on a metabolic level. I always have bone broth in the freezer. Anytime I return from even a weekend away, if I've eaten out more than twice, I'm gobbling down my bone broth to aid in that reset process. And that's also going to provide that glutamine that can help with that addictive behavior and drive... GABA and glycine. Glycine helps us to metabolize fat, so it can help us to get back on track and support the efficacy of the fast if we're doing that on a metabolic level to look for body composition change or to kind of aid in the excessive calories we did over that weekend or vacation to kind of get back into a hypocaloric state and upregulate body fat burn.
1: Awesome. And yeah, bone broth is something I've used as a tool as well. We do a quarterly bone broth fast, but it's interesting. I didn't notice until you called it out on Instagram, I think last week that we were both doing like bone broth and fish and lighter foods after we've had like a really fun indulgent weekend. I do it almost always after I travel and kind of just automatically that's what my body craves as a result. Yes. Yes.
2: And again, it's like it's not because you're punishing your body like you were bad. Now you must do this. It's an actual like I'm honoring you body and I'm giving you the resilience so that we have that pendulum swing, right? Yep.
1: Um, Okay. Any other foods beyond those that are like really obvious chemical shitstorms as you call them?
2: uh, (laughs) You say it well. (laughs) Yeah.
1: That we would um, remove or if we're prone to binge eating or food addiction that we should avoid.
2: So I mentioned with the digested enzyme, the DPP-4 in there breaks down the gluteomorphin and caseomorphin in gluten and dairy. These are two foods that if I'm dealing with mental illness, both in children and adults, especially any element of schizophrenia, bipolar disorder... Gluten and dairy particles cross the blood-brain barrier and interfere with your opioid receptors, which can have a huge impact on addictive eating, like literally having you waking up in the middle of the night and chugging heavy whipping cream or, you know, eating gluten-based foods and feeling truly addicted. So those are the first two foods that definitely need to go. Yes.
1: Um. Awesome. Awesome. So on a a program level, what would you say would be the best resources to reset after falling off in order?
2: Well, like I said, first would be our keto class because the coolest thing is it's over 12 weeks. So if you slip, you have a community and Becky and I to help to hold your hand to get you back on track and to learn about really introspective elements of the why as well as the functional medicine elements of the what could be contributing to this and more specific to you with quizzes and interactive components. So literally just join. If you're listening to our podcast and you love what we do, it is a game changer, bar none. The next thing I'd consider if you've already done the keto program or whatnot would be my 10-day detox. It's an awesome layer to optimize your health. Becky and I both do it quarterly. Great way to just really upregulate the process of the liver and the kidneys and also give you a protocol of your diet to just kind of change out the gas in the, in the filter of your tank. And then the third thing I'd say is if you have, again, if you resonated with episode 131, the dysbiosis beat the bloat cleanse with the bundle with the ebook would be the other thing to consider because that's going to plow the field of the microbiome to reset your body on a level of your gut bacteria.
1: Yeah. And sometimes just having that structure of like, here's a meal plan that you can follow and the why behind it, that you're doing it for your body for these benefits is enough to reset that kind of binge and and cheat day cycle. Oh yeah, for sure. Let's transition. Let's wrap it up with a little bit of rapid fire. So All right. I'm going to name a common cheat food or meal or craving that we might be having, and I want you to name your favorite real food solution. It can be a recipe or a product off the shelf. Let's do it. Okay. Uh, First one, pizza.
2: Okay. So for pizza... Pizza in a bowl, which is a recipe in our Eat Fat Get Skinny. Uh on the blog, we have spaghetti squash pizza boats and a cauliflower pizza crust. All of those would work really well. But what I would say is if you're dealing with long beyond just like a craving for if you're dealing with addictive tendencies, I would recommend that you go for an option that's dairy free again. Yes. So maybe salami, like literally yep. pepperoni or salami with avocado slices could be a real easy option for that craving.
1: Yep. Yep. Love it. Um, and I love those cauliflower thins, the outer aisle gourmet cauliflower thins as an option. Yes. It does have a little bit Jeez. of dairy in it, but, uh, yeah. as an option for a, a store-bought cauliflower. Yeah.
2: If it's just a gentle craving, a <laughs> desire. <Yeah. No>. Um, <laughs> yes. okay.
1: uh, what about chocolate? You mentioned, uh, the hue kitchen.
2: Yep. So Hugh Kitchen's my favorite and Theo's as far as like companies of chocolate bars, but I would make my collagen hot cocoa from the anti-anxiety diet because that's also going to give you the
1: gut restoration element. I love it. And I would do chocolate avocado mousse would be my go-to. Sounds good. <laughs> uh, what about um, like a baked good cookie muffin, etc.
2: Yeah. So my keto avocado cacao brownies would be a fantastic one. I'm a huge fan of any of my nut flour muffins that are on the blog. Um, And then you guys need to get a copy of the Anti-Anxiety Diet Cookbook. Ah, it's available for pre-sale. It's so exciting. Um, And so it has this like killer chocolate chip cookie that I will not leak. You have to
1: buy the book to get it. I'm sorry.
2: (laughs) I'll share with you, Becky. Yes.
1: Yes. I'll I'll to where you can pre-purchase the cookbook on today's show notes, and then what about um, alcohol? If you just feel like Mama needs a drink.
2: Yep. Yeah. so if mama needs a drink, I am going to be using Dry Farm Wines, and we will put a link in the show notes where you can add a bottle to your order for only a penny. Um, you know, I don't want to have wines that have mega purple or sulfites added, but you know, I do like to indulge in wine. So that's my go to source there. Otherwise, if I'm out and I'm having a cocktail, which I'm not as much of a cocktail drinker. I'm I'm more of a wine drinker. Um, But I would just ask for with no sweet. Um, And then if I don't want to drink, um, of course, if in either of those scenarios I have, again, more than one drink, I'm having a detox pack at bed and the morning following. And then if I choose that that's not the right health choice based on my current priorities or whatnot, I would do sparkling water with bitters um, or just sparkling like Topo Chico with like lime or um, even adding like Brady last night did uh, the RW Knudson brand, which is like the glass just juice. Um, And we always keep tart cherry and just blueberry in our fridge. And so I did an ounce of the tart cherry with, um, like a big glass of sparkling water and it was just perfect. And that gives you, you know, support for melatonin for sleep.
1: And it was just awesome. And it feels like something special. That's not just. Yeah.
2: (laughs) And kombucha, kombucha could fit there too, for sure. Yep. Um, and then what about
1: like salty, crunchy or chips?
2: So the dairy version would be parm crisps in all of its varied forms. And then if you're dealing with, again, addictive tendencies and more behavioral mood disorder, I would go for pork rinds for sure. I love those as far as something to throw into Stella's lunches. You know, they're providing protein and a moderate amount of fat with zero grams of carbs. And my go-to as a dipper at home for like guac and things like
1: that. Awesome. So I'll link to any of the recipes or products that we just mentioned in our show notes for today, which can always be found at AllieMillerRD.com slash podcast. And yes. you can click on the specific episode stream from there and um, access all of the links and all the things that we talk about. Uh, that's This has been an awesome jam-packed episode. I think a lot of really good, solid content on kind of how to have that mental self-talk with yes. yourself around cravings um, and some actual supplemental and food strategy to get you back on track.
2: Yes. So I hope today's episode was helpful for you. Uh, you know, you always vote with your time and energy and your dollar. So if any of these supplements sounded uh, like they were a fit for you, definitely check out that adrenal bundle was a big one that we talked about and the GABA and the GI lining and digest aid. Uh, we get such amazing clinical outcomes and are so excited for the opportunity to share these resources direct to you guys. And then also, if you have a moment of your time and you can head on over to iTunes and leave us a five-star review with just a sentence of why you love the podcast, that really helps other people that are searching health and diet related podcasts to find us. And if you have a copy of the anti-anxiety diet and you haven't left me a review on Amazon, I really want to make over a hundred reviews and all my friends in the industry have hit it. And I don't know why I haven't. It makes me sad. It, it empties my cup. So you can fill that back up by leaving me a five-star review and also a one sentence, um, statement of, of why you're loving the book and, and what I do. So thanks again for listening. We'll catch you guys next time.
0: Thank you